Hey, I'm Darren Steele, and this is Think Queerly, a humane thought, leadership, personal evolution coaching podcast for changemakers and queer creatives. That's quite a mouthful getting that sentence out there. I did that in one take. I'm happy to be back. You might not have known I was away. I was actually away last week in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico for my birthday and my partner's birthday. We're both exactly one week apart. And it was really nice to get away. Um, My brain actually turned off for the most part. Usually I am going crazy with ideas, noting things down, just that opportunity to recover and vacation um, can be really enlightening. But this time, what I noticed were a lot of refinements, um, improvements, bits of small moments of clarity and insight uh, for what I'm doing going forward. And it was refreshing because that made me feel very confident in much of the work I'm doing, but it was also refreshing because I really relaxed. And finally, it was surreal. Um, It's the first time I've been away on a plane in, I think, close to four years. But with the last close to two years um, with the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, we felt safe. We felt good. We're fully vaccinated. We had our flu shot before we left. Um, There was lots of social distancing. People were doing were behaving at their best at at the resort. Um, So it was reassuring and it felt like, it felt like nothing would go wrong. And it was certainly interesting to visit another country and see the people working there saying, we're so glad you're here. It's been two years. We haven't been working. So at first I was uh, a little hesitant to actually go away thinking let's wait another six months until maybe the spring or the early summer of 2022. But now I'm not upset at all or regretful for having gone away. All right. So a little bit of uh, housekeeping before we get into today's episode, just to let you know, um, if you've been following along, you know, I've launched a premium version of Think Queerly called Think Extra Queerly. That's the membership podcast where My personal evolution processes are going to be found where I'm going to be offering extra episodes, uh, ask me anything episodes, as well as live Zoom coaching, kind of like what you're seeing with me here, except you'll be able to interact with me to ask me questions about any of the personal evolution processes or anything else that's maybe coming up that you're stuck with or that you need help with around your leadership or just anything around personal growth, the work that I do. But I want to let you know that since this is new, and since it's also taking time for me to add content that will be member-only content that you can listen or watch on video, I want to make it easy for you. So I am offering a promotion until the end of this year, until 11.59 p.m. New Year's Eve, basically 56% off my yearly Humane Thought Leader plan. So that is normally $225 for a year, which would be priced at $25 a month. 
but I'm offering that for $99 for a year. And when you sign up, you still get 30 days free to find out if you like what is part of the membership private feed. All right. So just head on over. Um, I just want to make sure I give you the uh, correct link. It is uh, thinkqueerly.supercast.com. The link will be in the show notes. You can also just go to my website and click on membership towards the top of the page in the menu items. All right. That was a bit of a long introduction. Now I want to talk about something really serious. And I want to talk about right-wing extremist groups. I'm calling this, why are right-wing extremist groups so secretive? What have they got to hide? Now, this is an article that is published on the same day as this podcast comes out. And you might want to actually read this one because there are a lot of references. And I may speak adjacent to what a lot of this article says. Now, well over a month ago, there was an article in The Guardian called Top Republicans Rub Shoulders with Extremists in Secretive Right-Wing Group. And I want to read one of the opening um, paragraphs for you. Here we go. Quote, a leaked document has revealed the membership list of the Secretive Council for National Policy, CNP showing how it provides opportunities for elite Republicans, wealthy entrepreneurs, media proprietors, and pillars of the U.S. conservative movement to rub shoulders with anti-abortion and anti-Islamic extremists. The Southern Poverty Law Center, which monitors right-wing hate groups, describes the CNP as a shadowy and intensely secretive group which has operated behind the scenes in its efforts to build the conservative movement. The CNP is so secretive, according to the reports, that its members are instructed not to reveal their affiliation or even name the group. That's kind of chilling, right? And in another way, not that surprising But the details of this report stuck in my head for a while, and I knew I would have to speak to it or write about it. And a question came to mind, which is, why are these groups, why are these right-wing extremist groups so secretive? What is it that they've got to hide? And to me, the simple answer, the simple truth is that it's an aspect of human nature. The only reason these kinds of groups are secretive is because they're ashamed. Now, these organizations are secretive because they know they're wrong. They know they're morally wrong. They know they are wrong because their beliefs and their actions will hurt. They will harm, they will subjugate, they will control, they will abuse, they will indoctrinate, they will manipulate, and they may even wind up killing people. They know they're being inhuman. They're acting inhumane. However else can we describe this? But honestly, the majority of the followers, I would say very few at the top, but the majority of the followers are doing this almost unconsciously. These 
followers in the majority have been so deeply brainwashed, they don't know how to think critically for themselves, or they're just so blinded by the need for greed and power that they see everything as this dichotomy of, I have to protect all of these things or these ideals that are mine because that group of people over there are trying to take those things away from me. But I also believe that this is the reason that so many of the people involved in these organizations are so angry. They're displaying an emotion that is the result of the inner conflict they're experiencing. They believe so strongly in this unnatural and inhumane moral justification for their secretive actions that they have no other means of expressing how they feel but through anger. When you are trying to protect your ideals and your possessions and your power so rigidly, how can you really experience love? I'm sure you can experience some aspect of it for your, your kids and your partner, but the, I think there's always going to be more a sense of ownership and possession than true emotional love. So the hellfire and the damnation that these right-wing evangelical extremist groups claim will fall down upon LGBTQ plus people, Blacks, Muslims, Catholics, anyone who is not part of their group is simply a reflection of what is going on deep inside of themselves. Unconsciously. They're experiencing an unconscious despair at the disconnection from the harmony of all that is. They're disconnected from humanity. They're disconnected from oneness. They're disconnected from the natural order. They don't know how to belong to humanity because they see themselves as superior or putting it all out there to be sanctified, to be saved by this higher ultimate power that is embodied as a male figure, God. But let's come to what I believe is a basic truth of humanity, is that your identity is not a lifestyle. Who you are is who you are. Your identity is a construct. If someone cannot agree with who you are, or if they label your skin color, your sexual or your gender identification as a truth, as something that they see empirically or observably that they want to control, I don't believe they love themselves. Because the only way you can disrespect or hate someone else for their identity, for who they are, for their appearance, is because you yourself lack unconditional self-love. I believe that self-love is a natural part of who we are supposed to be. Note here what I just said, I believe. So this is an opinion. A 
And this lack of unconditional self-love is kind of an emotional illness that is caused by these rigid fundamentalist ideologies, most of which are religious-based, and they preach salvation, most of which are taught to children who grow up in these kinds of households and then have a very limited view of freedom. And freedom to them is actually quite frightening because it's not freedom like I might think of, freedom to be out in the world. Their freedom is based on salvation so that they can get into heaven and then can be free. So it takes them out of the moment of living now. So again, I believe if you can't respect the basic existential dignity of another human being, which doesn't mean you have to agree with the person, then you don't respect yourself. Every one of us is of nature, is a part of the natural world. None of us are separate from it. No single person or group has the moral grounding or virtue or right. Nature doesn't give a single individual that right to label any other person as undeserving. No one is better than any other person. In that we all come from nature, that is what makes us equal. In that we all come from this planet that on a cellular level, we are all connected. That is what connects us and makes us equal. We all originate from the same source. Now, Yuval Noah Harari and other historians have made this exceptionally clear. And the book Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind, is a really great place to start reading if this topic if this idea is of interest to you. So to make the point I'm already making a little bit more clear, a little bit more strong, there is no morality of nature. The natural order doesn't demonstrate morality. There's no right or wrong within the natural order of things. And this is one of the most wonderful core teachings of the Tao Te Ching, the 26, 2700-year-old um, manuscript that I've been studying um, for close to two years now. The universe, <laughs> everything outside of this planet, including this planet, has never made a mistake in the sense that a mistake is an artificial construct, something that we human beings have conceptualized, that we see as a polarity of a right or a wrong or an up versus down, a judgment of what is good and what is not good. Within the natural order, all that is simply is what it is. I know that's convoluted, right? All that is, is. Now, human beings have come up with these concepts so we can have these kinds of these, these discussions, these dualities or these polarities we use as a way to communicate and to get along or to not. <laughs> right? At the extremes, 
right, wrong are used as moral just justifications to control, to enforce, to hold on to, which also means to withhold. And, and for betterment, right, wrong as a polarity can be used to teach how we actually can get along with each other. Wayne Dyer writes um, in his uh, commentary uh, about the Tao Te Ching in his book, Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life. There is no greater tragedy than discontentment when you truly understand what it means to live peacefully. Satisfaction will begin to replace your desire for more. And the desire for more could be power, could be possessions, could be recognition. When we are content, when we are living a consciously contented life, we are in harmony with ourselves and with nature. And that means we're also in harmony with other human beings who at least are experiencing a similar amount of contentment, however they understand and perceive that. And contentment requires self-awareness personal responsibility, and self-mastery. It means recognizing and honoring one's ego, knowing that that is a part of who we are, but being mindful not to let the ego control or take over. Because it's the ego that loves contention. I'm right, you're wrong. Let's just have an argument for the sake of trying to prove a point. And if you spend too much time feeding the ego or living in the ego, that's what takes you out of contentment. And that's what leads, leads towards contrivance, which is living life based on artificiality, based on external needs, what you see outside of yourself that you want to fulfill desires. There are, of course, pardon me, healthy desires, and then they become unhealthy perhaps, if we want to use that word, when we go to the extreme. Such as a need for external validation to feel any kind of self-worth. Constantly acquiring more things, more possessions to feel like you have meaning in your life. Or power. Power in politics, power in business. Verse 46 of the Tao Te Ching, um, Wing Sit Chan translation. He who is contented with contentment is always contented. I love that. That's the, that's the brevity and the cuteness and the playfulness and the simplicity of the Tao Te Ching. I quote that again. He who is contented with contentment is always contented. So discontentment and artificiality leads to very unhappy people because of a lack of self-awareness. Now, those who we might identify as religious fanatics, fascists, extreme capitalists, or oligarchs, they don't live with contentment. They're falsely and continuously searching for the means to control the world that lives outside of themselves. 
It's a never-ending pursuit and it can never be satisfied because once you've reached more, there always is something more yet to have or to attain. We can only ever manage what is going on inside of ourselves. And the less self-aware that someone is of what's happening inside of who they are, the more of a danger they are to others, especially others who are also very lacking in self-awareness and find in that person someone to follow. Now, the danger is that the more you can acquire, whether that be possessions, power, or recognition, only results in wanting more. There's no end game because there will always be a brighter, shinier object that appears to be the solution to your pain. Whether that's a luxury car, a private villa somewhere in Italy, or control of a company or a political party, or the ability to impose laws restricting the freedoms of other people as a vicious sociopathic dictator. We've seen that happening previously in the United States with the former president. We see that happening in other countries across the world. Quoting verse verse 46 from the Tao Te Ching, um, translated by Taco and Soho, no wrong is greater than the desirable. No calamity is greater than discontent. No blame is greater than undesire to gain. Therefore, the sufficiency of contentment is always enough. See the message I'm constantly trying to bring home here, contentment. The secret of extremist groups, the individuals that are part of them are not content. This brings me to Power, Corruption, and Lies, which, by the way, was a really great name for an album by New Order. Um, power, Corruption, Lies, power, corruption, and Lies are, are, are intertwined. You can get more by lying. Corruption requires deception. Corruption is an unrealistic desire for power and a misuse of that power. An excess of power may lead to more lies in an attempt to hold on to that power and thus withhold that power from other people. So what can we do? How can we help these individuals out of their, their misery, their lack of contentment? Now, I wish I had a single and simple answer and I don't have definitive answers, but I have some observations in the way around how you can think and how you can be. First, secretive extremist groups actually crave attention. Seems like a paradox, but at the level of the individual, the extremist wants attention in the form of acceptance. They actually want to be loved. This is a basic human need proven at the neuroscientific level, but we know this even without neuroscience. But the kind of acceptance the extremist is getting is based in, is grounded in hatred. Hatred for others and blindly 
following an ideology about which human beings are deserving of rights or deserving of even living. That is not a true form of acceptance. That's an unnatural form of acceptance. True acceptance is based in care and connection, which is another word for love. If we can agree, at least for this episode, that love is a form of open-heartedness and acceptance for the dignity of another person without conditions or judgment, then you will agree that acceptance within an extremist group comes with extreme conditions. In other words, in that group, the proper term should be ideological adherence. You will be acceptance. You will be accepted if you follow the rules. So I believe we need to fight ideology, not people. There's enough wars going on that are killing people, maiming people, and unnecessarily causing suffering that I can't even imagine. If you fight and argue with people in extremist groups or you try and de-platform them, you actually only feed their need for more power and control. And they're going to be more empowered in their beliefs, more entrenched in their uncritically held beliefs. See, if you're in your logical thinking mind, you can, you can actually reason. But so often these individuals are angry. Not all of them, but so often they're angry. And when you're angry, you're in a different part of your brain. More your mammalian, perhaps also your reptilian brain, the older parts of the brain where the emotional drivers are taking over. And they actually start to shut down some of the cognitive pathways for the logical thinking brain, which would allow you to actually have a open-minded conversation with someone else. And here's the thing, you know, understanding other people is, is the hardest work in some ways that we have to do in this life. In, in the Tao teaching, humility is one of the core principles for living a life with integrity. And humility essentially means that you put yourself below or behind another person to support them. And this does not mean subservience. It means that you humbly put yourself in service of that person because you have the capacity to do so. And you're choosing to connect, to care, and to accept. You're not giving away your power or your individual sovereignty. In other words, you can stand under that person to support them, which is an interesting reframing of the word and the definition of understanding. So another insight, the more that we can openly discuss ideas that are uncomfortable, the easier it becomes to discuss those ideas. Extremist groups are secretive because they don't want to risk 
engaging in open conversation. That might lead to an understanding and a respect for the groups of people they label as other or undesirable. So they work in secret to align with people who have power over others to give them those groups, the individuals in the group, to give them a sense of safety, prediction, and response. But for those of us who want a more connected, loving, accepting world, we have to remain collectively committed to working with those people who have a public platform and are working for the common good. We need the help of journalists and politicians and social justice or human rights organizations who can teach and share how to improve individual rights and freedoms and teach inclusion and equity and what that actually means and why it's important. And the more we actually demonstrate by being and leading from acceptance, connection, and care for others, even those individuals whose ideas we disagree with, the more of an impact we will have on hearts and minds. We have to sometimes be the change we want to see in the world for other people to somehow be impressed or impacted by that and to consider why that might be of use to them. And we need compassionate, humble voices of reasoned self-awareness that connect humanity instead of dividing people. We need to share a message of human liberation and, and love. We need to demonstrate the benefits of living a life of contentment, happiness, and freedom. In so doing, we can demonstrate a respect for all humanity without the need for negative or contentious statements or arguments. In verse 52, of the Tao Te Ching. It says, curb your tongue and sense, and you are beyond trouble. Let them loose, and you are beyond help. Open your mouth too much. Let a lot of it, fly, a, lot, a lot of things fly out of your mouth without thinking about what you're saying, and you're, you're beyond help. I think we also need to stop fighting a losing battle against people who cannot be reasoned with. It doesn't mean not trying to reason with these secretive organizations, but think of it metaphorically. These groups are like a big rock in the middle of a stream, and we can choose to go with the flow like water goes around a rock. The rock isn't moving, but the water just flows around. Because otherwise, you're going to be waiting beyond the potential span of your life to wear down these rigid beliefs. So it's like that rock has to remain there, seemingly like a block, but only a block if you perceive it as such. Act from the center, act humanely, 
and flow around, not ignoring, recognizing the presence of that rigidity in your current, in your way, but go around it. And in a sense, you're disempowering, but you're not creating contention. So these secretive extremist groups, they need to lose their desire before, they need to lose their desire for power before they ever come to question why they've been doing what they're doing and why they feel so angry. I believe that they need to see that water flowing around them, the community flowing around them, to see that unbiased unbiased acceptance in the form of open-heartedness and understanding and love to realize that they are living their lives in opposition to humanity and in opposition to their very human nature. See, they can only go so far before they have to come back to the center because they're living at the extreme. They can only go so high before they fall. And not living at the extremes is the way of integrity and human-heartedness, which is the core message of the Tao Te Ching. And to wrap up this episode, a final quote, the second verse of the Tao Te Ching translated by Victor Meyer, being and non-being give birth to each other, difficult and easy complete each other, long and short form each other, high and low fulfill each other, tone and voice harmonize with each other, front and back, follow each other. It is ever thus. Our conception of this binary of polarities depends on the center, coming back to the source. You cannot exist at the extremes without completely exhausting yourself. The only way you will get rest or recover, or come back to your humanity, is to come back to the center. All right. Thank you again for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, and if you'd like to be more involved, then please consider becoming a member of Think Extra Queerly. Like I said at the top of the podcast, I have a special on for the yearly plan, $99. That's a 56% savings. I know a ridiculous percentage amount. Um, $99 for 12 months. That's, that's amazing. What is that? $8 a month. That would be like a coffee and a little dessert from your favorite coffee shop. And how many times do you have that in a week? I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and I look forward to speaking with you next time.